Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Shall I take your order or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Nikki Haley has had a press conference to announce she will not be dropping out. I, I mean, I would think that would be self, self-evident. I, I don't know. Feels fairly desperate as we get closer to Saturday. So she's going to lose in South Carolina and then she's going to lose basically everywhere on Super Tuesday and what exactly is the strategy here? I have absolutely no idea. She says, I refuse to quit. We'll maybe play some of this audio for you in a bit. South Carolina will vote on Saturday, but on Sunday, I will still be running for president. I'm not going anywhere. I'm campaigning every day until the last person votes. I just, I mean, again, I give credit to Ron DeSantis and his team. Because after Iowa, they put everything they had into Iowa. They lost. They came in second, but they lost, and it wasn't particularly close. And they said there is no pathway for us to be the nominee, and they dropped out. Nikki Haley put everything she had into New Hampshire. She lost by 11 or 12. She's now putting everything she has again into South Carolina, and she's going to lose, and she's now saying... I'm going to keep fighting afterwards. I think it's very fair to ask, where is her money coming from and how much of that money is being spent by people who support Joe Biden to try to keep Donald Trump from officially having everything locked up? I I think Nikki Haley could have been a viable vice presidential candidate. I think she should have come to Trump right after certainly New Hampshire, and said, hey, what about the idea of a unity ticket? Maybe not vice president, maybe it's secretary of state. Let's go ahead and put this to bed. Instead, I think, Buck, she's made a really bad decision about how she's played this out. Here we go. Here's twenty uh, cut 27, Nikki Haley vowing to fight on and saying that this primary will continue, and we will discuss what that means. Play it. I'm fighting for what I know is right, and I don't care what the party leaders and political elites want. I'll keep fighting until the American people close the door. That day is not today, and it won't be on Saturday, not by a long shot. The presidential primaries have barely begun. Just three states have voted. Three. That's it. After this weekend, we'll be at four. That's not a lot. In the 10 days after South Carolina, another 21 states and territories will vote. People have a right to have their voices heard, and they deserve a real choice, not a Soviet-style election where there's only one candidate and he gets 99% of the vote. If you lose every state... Whoever is advising Nikki Haley, I think, is doing a really poor job of advising her, unless, Buck, she's interested in running on this no-labels ticket, and she's trying to stay alive, and she just wants to completely sabotage Trump. 
I don't know if there's any viability to that possibility, but I think it's worth discussing at this point. Uh, there's a, another option, and I will admit that I don't know this, and it is it is cynical, but it is based in some uh, some tendencies that we saw from Nikki Haley right after she served as Trump's U.S. ambassador to the United Nation, which I just like to point out. You know, people were making an argument uh, about Ron DeSantis and saying that it was remember this, it was. Um, uh, disloyal for him to run against Trump, and people can make of that what they will. Ron DeSantis was never a part of the Trump administration. Nikki Haley was. Uh, so I, I think that if that argument applied at all for somebody, uh, then it should apply in, in this case, uh, even more substantially more so. And, and I think that my more cynical take on this is, look, she's getting big money from a Democrat. We already know about that, right? I mean, that's, yep. there, there are big money Democrats who are writing checks for the Nikki Haley campaign. So she's allowing herself to be used as at least a drain on time, resources, and focus a focus against Trump at this stage. Uh, and it might be because she figures there's a big, fat corporate job in it for her after this. I, I, that, I, that's very cynical, I understand. But she was on the board of Boeing after doing a lot of business with Boeing when she was the governor of South Carolina. That's what got Vivek and her so fiery with each other on stage. She does not have another job. She does not have something else lined up after this. It's not like she's still the governor of somewhere or she's still a senator or whatever. So maybe it's this is what corporate America and the donor class wants. So she stays in this a little bit longer and she ends up getting some board seats and some uh, $250,000 a gig speaking engagements. Is that does that strike anyone as crazy? I don't know. That's why I wonder if she's going to run as a third party. If she's really in it well, for the well, money. Well, then she's clearly doing that, by the way. Then she is actually just a, a pawn of the moneyed elites in this country. If she's really in it for the money, then she'll run as a third party and try to keep Trump from being elected. By the way, here she is saying, I'm not going to kiss the ring. Look, I get it. In politics, the herd mentality is enormously strong. A lot of Republican politicians have surrendered to it. The pressure on them was way too much. They didn't want to be left out of the club. Of course, many of the same politicians who now publicly embrace Trump privately dread him. They know what a disaster he's been and will continue to be for our party. They're just too afraid to say it out loud. Well, I'm not afraid to say the hard truths out loud. I feel no need to kiss the ring. I have no fear of Trump's retribution. That sounds to me like somebody who is laying the groundwork to run as a third-party candidate. Because you can't win. Why else would you say all of this? I would just just put it out there as a possibility. What is her game plan if it's not to run as a third party? She's definitely got to make money. She's not independently wealthy. That's really where Vivek, I think, hit her pretty solidly, was in pointing out how avaricious how greedy she had been in her post uh political career how much money she made so quickly i think it kind of made some people cringe if you're a governor and you're on the board of Bo- i mean you're not a former general on the board of boeing right if you're which that that brings its own problems don't get me wrong yeah but at least right. there's some connectivity uh you know i know boeing does more than just make military stuff but you can understand why somebody who had been you know, uh, chairman of CENTCOM or whatever might end up, uh, on the board at Boeing. And we can have conversations about the down, uh, the, um, uh, the downside of the military industrial complex and another time on this show. But in terms of the governor, you're effectively a lobbyist for Boeing at that point, right? You're somebody who your Rolodex and your political connections are what's being offered up. And, uh, you know, I think that some people, given her foreign policy, started to connect this stuff together and feel like there are Real issues there. I mean, you can always, I think, tell with, with some politicians when you hit them on something and they get truly angry instead of politician indignant. Um, and I think what we saw with her and Vivek on stage was there were some, some of those things were hitting home in a way that, I mean, she called him scum, I think, on the stage, yeah. didn't she? Yes. She's looking and said, you're scum, which is, you know, that's not, that's not cool. Uh, I, I can't, can't say that that's something that's acceptable. I don't even think, at least Trump is funny when he, when he says something nasty to someone. That's not funny. That's just mean. Um, so yeah. I and think it's, by the way, solutions. valid criticisms of her. It's not like he just said, I mean, he said, Hey, your own daughter's on TikTok. It's going to be kind of hard to get people to get off TikTok when she criticized him for being on TikTok. 
That seems valid to me. I mean, I've got kids. If all my kids are on TikTok and I'm saying we've got to ban the app and my kids are all on TikTok, like, campaigning for me, that would be, I think, a very valid uh, punch. By the way, we got a bunch of callers who want to weigh in. Women, right, uh, we're let's... talking about the gender gap. Jessica right. in San Antonio, are these uh, are these women persuadable? I, I you know, I, I think they are. Um, and I, I don't think that... You know, have a woman vice president, but you know that the candidate doesn't have to be a woman. We don't vote for women just because they're women. Um, I think for Trump, it would help a lot. It. I think we lost. I think we missed Jessica the prescription. Father, yeah. Um, he's so proud of We don't have a good enough connection to Jessica. Yeah. We're going to have to see if we can maybe get her back. And Clay, why don't we come back and take more of these calls in a second? Yeah, um, good idea. While we have a strong connection with everybody, I want to tell them a little bit about prize picks because if you're a sports fan, a fantasy sports person, the prize picks app is the one you want to download. I had never done this before and now I'm doing it all the time. Every week, having a lot of fun, making some money most of the time. We, we came close, Clay, at the Super Bowl. We were uh, you know, a little very bit brutal. Very brutal. A little bit. We, we, we was, we were on the right trajectory, but then, you know, that one yard. But uh, it's still a lot of fun. That's the thing. And it makes it more fun to watch these games. And you can really test out your skills, your knowledge on these teams, which Clay has a ton of. I'm learning all the time. I'm going to be going to some sporting events next month, actually, so I can actually see with my own eyes some of these players, individuals, that I'm going to be picking on the prize picks app. I'm going to play, see some basketball, Clay. I'm going to go see some tennis. I'm looking forward to it. Prize pick, uh, picks gives you quick withdrawals, a huge selection of players' sports Stat types. That's what makes it the number one daily fantasy sports app. When are you making your next big pick, Clay? You want to? Can you tell us when it's coming? Uh, is that it, is a great question. Um, maybe at the end of the week. Maybe at the end of the week, I'll give you a college basketball or college uh, college or NBA pick. I'll dive into it. I'll give something out at the end of the week. I think we need a clay pick at the end of each week. I'm throwing that out there because then at least I can ride his coattails and hopefully make some money. But I'm getting better myself. Prize picks makes it that easy. So if you've never done any kind of daily fantasy sports stuff before, prize picks is for you. And if you are a seasoned veteran, but you just want the best experience, the easiest user interface, the most options, and just overall the best experience, download the prize picks app. Use my name, Buck, as your promo, co- promo code. You'll get a first deposit match up to $100. Promo code Buck, and you'll get a deposit match up to $100 when you download that Prize Picks app today. Download and use the new Clay and Buck app. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Stay current with what Clay and Buck are saying on TV. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. If babies in their mother's womb could speak, what would they say? In the absence of words, they share the sounds of their heart beating, telling you they're alive and growing. 
An unborn baby's heart is already beating at just three weeks. By five weeks, you can hear that heartbeat on ultrasound, and that's where Preborn's network of clinics step in. Preborn is the country's largest provider of free ultrasounds, and every day they rescue 200 babies' lives by connecting expectant mothers and children. Those are pregnant mothers deciding on life or abortion. Most often, they choose life. For just $28, you can provide one free ultrasound to help save a child's life. $140 will help rescue five babies' lives. Donate via cell phone. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Visit preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K. Preborn has a 100% charity rating. Sponsored by Preborn. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Uh, we've been rolling through with a lot of different topics. Encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a moment. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. We've got a great podcast network with Carol Markowitz, Tudor Dixon. More to be added soon. Uh, and we are very happy to see how well those are all doing. Um, I do think this is uh, worthy of continuing to uh, t- to discuss a lot of people just accepted the 350 some odd million dollar verdict against Donald Trump in New York but as much as buck and myself and many of you think this is crazy i actually think the people who think it's craziest are real estate developers and high net worth individuals with substantial assets in New York one of them would be kevin o'leary many of you know him from shark tank he's been on this program i believe we had him as a guest in the last several months uh, he pointed out what is very important to recognize here. There was no victim here of this alleged fraud. Here was that analysis with Neil Cavuto. Listen. Wouldn't there be many companies who would not want to do business or loan money to people like yourself or investors if they know that they can get away with fraud and there's no recourse to protect them? Excuse me, what fraud? I don't, I, this is not about Trump anymore. In this case, even, the bank that was supposedly defrauded testified and said, we didn't lose anything. We want to do business with this guy again. We'd like to. But the judge said, no, 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 no. Let's penalize this developer for $355 million. And if we're going to do that, let's penalize all the developers all across America. They've all done the same thing. All of them should go to jail and we should stop building buildings. That's CNN's Laura Coates. All right, so he's pointing out how absurd the logic is for this entire case. And then, Buck, he builds on something else, which you have experienced, uh, and which I don't ever want to experience, which is what it's like to be living behind the big blue wall of New York. Here he is saying, look, a lot of people are going to be making the decisions based on this result to pull assets out of New York. Listen. The fine people of New York should ask themselves, why are we such a loser state? How are we going to attract business? It's not just the existing businesses that are fleeing out to Texas and Florida. What about new money like this that I'm talking about, like a $4 billion data center? Not a chance I would put that in New York. Zero probability. Never. And so they've got a lot of work to do to find themselves getting out of this situation. This has all occurred post-pandemic. Winners states versus loser states look at tennessee right now fastest growing city in america nashville winner state good policy competitive taxes you've got to start thinking about this in the context of winners and losers new york mega loser state okay we have a lot of people listening on wor in new york buck you lived in new york city for a long time we also have massive audience in texas florida tennessee three states that have no state income tax as you get ready to pay your taxes in 2023, right, coming up in April, Buck, how much does it make you sick, the idea that you would be paying 14% of your income for the privilege of living in New York City now that you live in Miami? You've actually done what Kevin O'Leary is suggesting here, which is you're highly successful, relocate basically the Buck Sexton Enterprise to Miami and save yourself a lot of money in the process. There are so many people down here. I have friends in finance, in the real estate game, corporate lawyers, all telling the same story down here in, in South Florida and other parts of Florida as well. Uh, and, and they, the, you know, a lot of people felt like they had to move because of COVID. Um, and that was my primary reason too, because I, I was so angry and felt like I had to do something 
take some action after the tyranny that New York and the libs uh, engaged in during COVID. But once you start looking at regulatory policy, taxation, and now politicize civil judgments, right? I mean, you could probably yes. say to yourself, well, you know, I'm not Trump. I'm not going to get, you know, in trouble because I'm not taking on the entire Democrat apparatus myself. And so they're probably not going to try to, you know, throw me in prison for document fraud or something. But when you see what happened to, well, it was Elon in Delaware and now Trump civilly in New York for running his business, I keep asking friends of mine. I actually spoke to someone on the Trump campaign about this yesterday, too. Just curious. I was saying, what happens here? I mean, we've just the the number we're talking about is what four hundred million plus. Yes. For him to appeal the New York State verdict, he has to either put up that cash or get a bond for all someone that basically else has to say that they will you know have a, a surety bond or whatever it's called um, uh, to make sure that he will arrive in court for this and do this. He won't flee the country. Look, Trump's obviously not going to flee the country. He might be running the country again soon. But the point here is, uh, I don't see how he doesn't end up having to try to write some kind of massive check, which is a punishment in and of itself as he's running for president. Do you know what I mean? I, I, what, what is the alternative to he has to write this check in New York? I don't see it. There isn't one. He's going to have to put forward the money, which is why the goal is to try to humiliate and embarrass and bankrupt him. And I just want to say this. I understand a lot of you who are listening to us right now in California and New York and even the Chicago area, uh, big, massive centers of commerce. And some of you got friends, family, got kids in school, you can't move. If you can move, get out. I, I, I mean this honestly. You don't know how good life is in Texas, Tennessee, and Florida, and I'm just naming those three because there is no state income tax. The more successful you are, the less sense it makes for you to be funding broken left-wing governments in New York, California, and Illinois. And I'm using those three because that's where I'm seeing people flee the most, where you have high income tax rates and where the states are falling apart thanks to left-wing governance, effective one-party rule. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how fabulous it is down here. And when you get down here, and look, I'm talking about the Tennessee area, Bucks down in Florida, a lot of you are listening. I think we're number one in Houston, uh, San Antonio, and Austin. So we got a lot of you listening all over the state of Texas. We want these states to be redder. They're now driving the commerce of the United States. So if you're thinking generationally, where, what's, you know, I used to, uh, you ever been out to Coronado, um, or, uh, out in, uh, San Diego? Beautiful area of San Diego. Tons of military out there. In 1940 or 1950, you could have traveled out to San Diego and you could have bought an incredible bungalow in what is effectively the Garden of Eden in the United States. And you could have afforded to live there on a middle-class salary. You could have been in the military. You could have been associated with a, a normal, everyday job, cop, teacher, whatever it is. Can't do that anymore. Those are all million, multi-million dollar homes. I'm telling you... That's going to happen all over Florida. It's going to happen all over Texas. It's going to happen all over Tennessee. And in 2045, you're going to leave Illinois or California or New York, and you're going to travel to one of those states, and you're going to think, why didn't we leave in the 2020s? Why have we waited and stayed behind and looked at what has happened in these other states? I'm telling you, the wheels of commerce are spinning, and all of the positive directions are are going to be in red states that are pro-business, that are low-tax, and that believe in America and American values. And it's only going to get faster, that flywheel of excellence. Everything's falling apart in New York and California and Illinois, and everything's going to be going well. And again, I'm just using as an example, there are certainly other states, but when you have no state income tax in Texas, Florida, and Tennessee, it's pretty damn good life down here. Yeah, and in, in the blue states, they're going to have more and more problems because the, uh, and the, the, you know, the leading blue states in terms of population and all the stuff we're talking about, New York and California, um, they are losing a portion of the tax base that they need, a critical yes. portion of the tax base. Uh, I think something like in New York City, 1% of earners pay 40, 40 to 50% of the taxes. 1% Crazy. of that city 
is responsible for carrying effectively the budget of the city of New York. I mean, without me, if you try to have 40 or 50 percent budget cuts, you're talking about, you know, you got nothing left unless you're just going to start slashing pensions and, you know, you're going to have like five cops on the beat. The whole thing is going to be an absolute mess. So uh, that's why they're going to want federal bailouts. And that's why everything then the bad decisions made by Democrat blue states are supposed to be effectively socialized through the federal government, picking up the losses that will come from these places. It's also one of the reasons why they want so much uh, illegal migration into these places, because they want a new labor force that they can call upon and new votes that they can call upon who are, are I mean, the one thing they'll say is, oh, we want illegals to pay taxes. Illegals are going to be getting tax refunds if they start actually filing for taxes, which they don't, but that's a whole other thing, because they don't make enough money in the manual labor and, and uh, you know, service industry jobs that they have to be subject to taxation. So all of the, so this thing about, oh, they're going to increase the economy and everything. No, actually, that's not how it works. Uh, they're going to be a net drain on resources, which is why New York City is saying they need $14 billion or $12 billion over the next three years to deal with them. Um, anyway, let's take some calls on this one. And uh, see what you think about all the stuff we've talked about. You know, if your family had a video camera back in the day, mine certainly did. My dad loved to bust it out. The camera was huge. It looked like a rocket launcher. Um, and he would take it out, and he would video us opening presents at Christmas and after my mom would cook a Thanksgiving dinner. But what do you do with all that stuff now? You don't have a VCR. That's where Legacy Box comes in. Legacy Box digitally preserves old media so you can safely keep family memories alive for decades to come. Legacy Box is based in Tennessee. They don't outsource overseas. They take exceptional care and transfer your tapes, film, photos, even old audio cassettes. They can digitally transfer over a dozen different types of media. They return everything along with brand new digital files that you can watch, share, post, and hold on to forever. They do a great job, too. Both Clay and I have used Legacy Box to digitally transfer our family memories. Carrie's family, the Flatleys, they use Legacy Box. It's great. To get started, go to LegacyBox.com slash buck. That's LegacyBox.com slash B-U-C-K. A million and a half families have benefited already from using Legacy Box. LegacyBox.com slash buck. Save 50% off their regular prices. Geek out with the guys on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. A new episode every Sunday. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcast. Second hour, Clay and Buck kicks off now. You will recall that we were discussing during the Claudine Gay controversy, uh, who stepped down as president of Harvard, remember, for saying that it would not be a violation of Harvard's code of conduct per se to call for the extermination of the Jewish people. That was a problem. And then beyond that, it was found that she had engaged in dozens of instances of plagiarism, which were indefensible. We know that because nobody could actually defend them, and they very much wanted to. They would have tried to with everything that they had, but there was no defense. It's cut and paste. You can see it. So you go then beyond that and, and think, hold on, what, why am I bringing this up now? Well, she also was one of the loudest voices among the faculty at Harvard demanding the removal of tenure, which is one of the things we all know about the university system. Tenure does not get taken from people. I mean, you, you have to, you're talking like triple homicide or something for your tenure to get taken away. It is unheard of. Uh, in, in the university system. I mean, it can occur, I think, but only under extreme circumstances. She wanted, Claudine Gay, wanted the tenure of Roland Fryer to be taken away. Now, just a quick, and we, we've talked about Roland Fryer during the situation, for, uh, sexual harassment, by the way. Not, not a, not a violent crime, not, uh, not, uh, rape, but sexual harassment, comments in front of female Colleagues, uh, if memory serves, that was the primary problem. And there was an investigation. They found nothing substantive or nothing worthy of discipline. But she wanted him fired. She wanted him fired. Um, now, Roland Fryer is the youngest professor to get tenure in the history of Harvard University. I think he got it at 34 years old. He is black. Uh, he is an exceptional economist and has won tons of awards and published a body of work 
that shows both skill and expertise, and on top of that is meaningful to the national discourse on a range of issues. Uh, For example, Clay, and this is going to tie in, I think, in a second here to the discussion we were having yesterday about shootings, whether it's at the um, the, the the parade for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs or just the way the media covers violence and shootings in general. Um, but two of the most well-known papers that Roland Fryer uh, has written, one of them was a study where he looked at the use of distinctly African-American names and life outcome because there was this theory out there that people had come to believe very broadly, if you give your child a distinctly African-American name, you are setting them uh, up for a more difficult life in the workplace and things like that. They'll face discrimination effectively. Fryer crunched all the numbers uh, and found out that that is not true when you control for socioeconomic uh, origin, basically. Does this come? Does this person come from a two-parent household with a income of $80,000 a year? Well, then the, the name doesn't, you call them somebody, whatever you want to call them as a name, doesn't matter, right, when you control for that. So that was um, a big paper. And then, Clay, the one that got him in trouble, and he talked about this recently with Barry Weiss um, over at the uh, the Free Press, um, was he did an analysis of police-involved activity. What he found was that use of force against against black men by cops when it comes to more minor use of force, so, you know, frisking, uh, any kind of striking with the hands, any kind of pushing, more likely to happen with police to black male interactions. That's what, that's what his analysis found. But he also found, and this is in a whole range of different tiers of analysis and research, that it is not the case that black men are more likely to be killed under similar circumstances than white men by law enforcement. In fact, white men are more likely to face lethal force from police under the same circumstances based on the data. They, the, the left went nuts and we, we have a cut of him. And then I was, here he is saying this, explaining this is what is it? Uh, 26, I think what he faced. When this happened, play. Yes, we saw some bias in the low-level uses of force, everyday pushing up against cars and things like that. People tend to like that result. But we didn't find any racial bias in police shootings. Now, that was really surprising to me because I expected to see it. It was posted for four minutes when I got my first email. This is full of Doesn't make any sense. And I wrote back, how'd you read it that fast? I had colleagues take me into the side and say, don't publish this. You'll ruin your career. I said, what's wrong with it? Do you believe the first part? Yes. Do you believe the second part? Well, it's the issue is they just don't fit together. I said to them, if the second part showed bias, do you think I should publish it then? And they say, yeah, then it would make sense. Uh, Clay, I think we all understand why the truth does not matter in society these days. I also think it makes logical sense. And some of you are going to say, maybe your eyebrows go up, you say, what do you mean by that? I think there has been so much focus on police shootings of minorities, black people in particular, that police officers know what happens if they get it wrong, such that they actually are less, it makes total sense to me, Buck. And I bet what you see is the data has become even more pronounced in the years since because if any cop watched the George Floyd video, any cop watched that video, any cop watches any of these viral shooting videos, cops know that they only get scrutinized now if they shoot a black guy. We've seen some of these videos, Buck, of white guys getting shot by police officers. The one, and you may remember the guy's name. We Arizona, Daniel Shaver, killed by Officer Brailsford on video with a long gun. The kid is blubbering on the ground, crying for his life. Yes. It is, I think, the worst example of a police violent act on video that I've ever seen. The uh, district attorney the, charged the Tyree, the district the attorney Tyree the Tyree Nichols case was also brutal, but what happened when the with the case in Arizona, the white kid? The district attorney charged it as manslaughter, and a jury, inexplicably to me, 
found him not guilty, found the officer not guilty. Um, it was one of the most grotesque mis- miscarriages of justice when it comes to a police-involved excessive force shooting of ever. I mean, the there was also the um, uh, the one in South Carolina where the individual was running away. I mean, that was an execution. That, that yes, but that cop was found guilty and I think got yes. twenty-five to life. Yes, this cop got away with it. The one in Arizona, and the data reflects, and this blows people's mind that seventy-five percent of all police shootings involve races other than black people and when you say that it's it's as if the world is completely different than what people anticipated 50 percent of people that get shot and killed by police are white around 25 percent are hispanic or other 25 percent are black and that means 75 percent of all police shootings involve people other than black individuals and it's stunning most people have no concept of that reality. Now, it's true that black people represent, whatever, 13% of the population, so per capita, that's an exaggerated number, but police don't interact with everybody evenly. Black people commit violent crime at higher rates than their overall population would reflect, so they interact with police more frequently. I, I, there's so much here. Um, there's obviously our, our the way that uh, shootings and violence are covered in the media and just the national conversation around them, the general mass perception of these issues. And that's what he was going to here. Um, and, and there have been other instances. I mean, for example, it was, there was a study that was done a long time ago. Um, and, uh, hat tip, uh, and Coulter for bringing this one forward, um, where they looked at driving on the New Jersey turnpike. And there was this belief that driving on the New Jersey, which anyone who's ever been on 95, you, you know, you know the stretch of road I'm talking about between, you know, you're getting close to New York there and uh, you're on the New Jersey Turnpike. And there was a belief that somehow state troopers were being racist because of the numbers of people that they were pulling over who were black. That was the story. So they set up speed cameras to look at this. State of New Jersey paid to do this whole thing. They set up speed cameras. And well, first of all, as anyone can think this one through, right? Uh, cars going 80 miles an hour. You're a cop. You're, you know, are, are you really able to see the, the race of the individual who was driving the car? And this is back in like the nineties, I think, by the way, maybe the early two thousands. Can you see the answer is no. The answer is you got your, you got your speed gun out yep. and you're just, you're just, you know, putting it on the car. And what they found was, okay, it actually wasn't, it was the case that, um, basically everyone speeds as a proportion of drivers on the road, men, by the way, equally black, Hispanic, white, you know, I think actually Asians sped less than the rest, but put that aside for a second. We're less speeding, but you know, effectively everybody was speeding in their general range of what they are in the population. But when it came to extreme speeding, 25 miles an hour plus, there was an overwhelming disparity of black drivers on the New Jersey turnpike who were going 25 miles an hour over the same, you know, they're going, uh, what 90 miles an hour plus yeah and that and so that so when you look at the data you say well hold on a second what does this tell us well it's actually just telling us that for whatever reason on that stretch of road there was a disparity among individuals going at extreme rates of excessive speed who are the most likely to be pulled over because cops will let you go usually five ten miles an hour over similar thing here you look at these stories and whether it's about the names or about the shootings clay we're supposed to believe certain things, and that's what Harvard was telling Professor Fryer. You are supposed to believe it even if it's not true. It doesn't matter that it's not true to them. And and that's what I think is also so key about this, Buck. They said, in theory, why do you do a study? To confirm whether something that you believe is true or false. That's the entire purpose of it. You have a hypothesis, you have a theory, you do a study to determine whether or not it is reflective of reality. What they were telling him at Harvard was, you can't publish a study that challenges what our uh, beliefs already are. In theory, that's what science should do, right? The existence of science or study in general, it's really not very interesting if you do a study and it just serves to reconfirm what people already believe. It actually defeats kind of the whole purpose of the study in the first place. And and what's interesting is, and he brought this up in that soundbite when he was doing the sit-down with Barry Weiss, uh, 
most of his analysis went along with, now I could actually get into, well, are, you know, is there more profanity being used? Uh, are there more, you know, are the uh, verbal interactions with police more aggressive among different groups? Like you could actually start to parse the data on the less than lethal use of force more to get a better sense as to what's going on or just the cops, you know, is, is there a systemic racism here, right? Th- those are the questions that you would be able to ask. But most of it aligned with what they wanted, Clay, because the one point though about lethal use of force by police, we are, we have been told that cops will shoot somebody because they are yes. black or at some level they are more likely to shoot someone because they're black. Of all the things he found, that one thing statistically did not line up. In fact, went in the other direction. You're more likely to be shot if you're white uh, by cops under the same set of circumstances, you know, armed, approaching the officer, etc. They wanted him to be ruined. They wanted the youngest tenured professor at Harvard to lose tenure because of this. And Claudine Gay, former president of Harvard, was a part of that. And, Buck, the conversation isn't even allowed to occur. That's the thing that really, to me, calls out the dishonesty of anyone who claims that they care about violence. Even, I think when we come back, I'll mention it again, but this Kansas City juvenile shooting that happened at the Super Bowl parade, it's a story that everybody's talking about. We talked about it yesterday. We still don't know the names of these kids. How long did it take for us to know the name of, uh, of the, the shooter? In, uh, in, uh, in Waukesha, that he's a minor that they tried to put in prison. You mean for Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. We knew his name. We, we knew everything about him within 48 you, hours. You had of celebrities calling for him to face like the gas chamber. Yes. These people are psychopaths. And he what was about a the minor. Covington they didn't Catholic care. kid. Minor. What about the kid who wore the headdress and went to the Kansas City Chiefs game? He's a minor. All that stuff comes out. Why can we not get, and by the way, why aren't those kids being charged as adults who shot 20 people, if they're 16 years old, which is the report that I've seen, if you shoot 20 people and you're 16 years old, to me, I think trying to treat you like a juvenile might not be the appropriate uh, mechanism for justice here. No, but if you're if you are in your 30s and it's found that you tweeted uh, a very bad word or something racially incentive, uh, you know, insensitive, um, you know, when you were 14 or whatever. Yeah. Your life should be ruined. You should be so unemployable true. for all of, you know, if you, if you're, if you're in your twenties and you wrote something when you're 14 that's on the internet that someone finds that's racist, you should never be employable. You should lose. But if you're 16, you shoot 20 people. Well, you know, let's not, let's not, uh, drag their name through the mud too much online. It's, uh, pretty clear what's going on here, folks. Um, we'll talk more about this, uh, on the other side and also take some of your calls. 800-282-2882. I took it this morning, and I had a great gym workout, although it's going to be nap time after the radio show because I had so much energy, so much focus, that it actually tires me out a little bit afterwards. Chad Mode is amazing. It's a product by Chalk, a pre-workout. Look, this is a powder supplement, so it gives you a boost of energy and focus. You just take one scoop of this Chad Mode. Like I said, I did it this morning. Mix it in with water or juice. You're good to go. I take it just with water because I like the taste, but with a little juice, it'll be delicious. And that's something you can do before hitting the gym or taking on a big project where you need energy, drive, and focus. Great thing about Chad Mode, no jitters or crash. You're going to feel great. Clean ingredients that you can read about on Chalk.com. That's key because a lot of supplements have junk in there. But Chalk is all clean, good ingredients. You'll know what they are. You can read what they are, and there's no surprises. I swear by this stuff. As they do for everything Chalk makes. Chalk is spelled C-H-O-Q.com. Go check out their male vitality stack. There are different uh, programs you can get on. You can subscribe so you can have holistic wellness, my friends, and balance out your hormones, do some great stuff. Now through the end of this month, Chalk is offering a massive discount on any subscription for life exclusive to our listeners. Go to Chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Buck, to unlock this exclusive February-only offer. CHOQ.com. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code. One truth revealed after another. Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. No surprise, but do you know the number of abortions in states where it's deemed legal have increased since the overturning of Roe versus Wade? Sadly, unborn babies' lives are more at risk than ever, and that's where preborn steps in. Preborn introduces moms to their precious babies through ultrasound. When a mom in crisis hears her baby's heartbeat and sees her or him on ultrasound, she is twice as likely to choose life. Preborn has rescued hundreds of thousands of babies' lives, and their network of clinics are located in the highest abortion states, standing strong for moms in crisis and the most vulnerable preborn babies. Five ultrasounds are just $140, helping to rescue five babies. Preborn relies on donations from us. To donate securely, use your cell phone and dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 saying baby or go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash buck. You will never regret saving a baby's life. Visit preborn.com slash buck sponsored by Preborn. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Welcome in Hour 3, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Encourage all of you to go subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a moment. Also, three hours every single day of video unless one or the other of us is on the road somewhere but we are now here for a little bit in a row uh, several weeks we'll ro- waving at you you get to see me you get to see buck behind the vip at playandbuck.com we appreciate all of you there particularly all of the grandmas out there that are big fans of mine we bring in now ryan gurdusky who uh, was sharing an interesting poll that we started off the show discussing, the Siena-New York State poll. Uh, and Ryan, we bring you on because we like you to break down the data for us. And I want to start with the question that I started the show with today, and that was, according to that poll, Donald Trump now leads in New York State among Jewish voters. I believe the number was 53 to 44. Did that surprise you? Does it have staying power? Have we seen a shift based on October 7th? How would you analyze this uh, as it pertains to the Jewish vote, not only in New York, but potentially around the country? So there have been three polls above the Jewish vote since October the 7th in about New York State, all by Siena. And Trump's numbers among Jewish voters in the subset of the, of the Siena poll went from 29% on October the 15th to 54% and 53% rather in the latest poll that came out today. It's a significant shift. It's very, very high. And nationwide, we don't know the exact number, but he got about 30 to 33% of the Jewish vote in 2020 nationwide. I'm not exactly sure of New York. Um, New York, unlike other places with significant New York has the largest Jewish population in the country. Nine um, percent of the entire state is Jewish, but it also has one of the largest Orthodox and Hasidic populations, which tend to be far more Republican, not just by the average Jewish voter, but far more Republican than the average voter. And Orthodox and Hasidic voters, especially on federal issues, vote very, 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 very Republican. Um, so what we could be seeing in New York and the reason why New York moves so far right could be because this, the poll could have oversampled Orthodox and Hasidic voters, 
Or it could be that just these voters are just moving to the right over several issues, especially with the growth of anti-Semitism um, that we've seen from the far left in this country. Hey, Ryan, it's Buck. You know, the um, migrant situation in New York, we're just talking about the Jewish vote in New York. Uh, migrant situation is obviously also uh, getting a lot of national attention. There's this video of cops fighting at Randall's Island, which is where I used to play high school sports. This is a side note. We used to have the uh, facilities there for basketball, so- not basketball, uh, soccer, football, uh, you know, outdoor sports. And uh, they've now turned it into a refugee camp. I mean, there's a refugee uh-huh. camp on Randall's Island. NYPD having to fight and kick and punch uh, with a, a migrants who are throwing chairs at them and everything else in this 3,000-bed facility. It felt like the Democrats believe they had it all moving in, you know, or they thought they had a strategy with this bill that then Republicans in the Senate did not go along with. But what are we seeing in terms of actual perception and and numbers on that one? Because now they're saying Biden may take matters into his own hands. And it's like, well, hold on. I thought he couldn't do that before. Right. I mean, Biden always had the ability to do something on immigration. This is not like this is the first president who's ever had a border crisis. We've had every president, recent presidents had a border crisis of one form or the other. And every president's done executive things. I mean, Joe Biden stood on the stage that he would give free health care to illegal aliens. He wouldn't deport them. Um, and he would try to fast track away for amnesty. So, of course, they came. And I think what a lot of misperception from Democrat elected officials was, was, well, how bad could the border crisis be? We've, we've dealt with border crisis of a million people in the past before. We've never dealt with a border crisis of 7 million people. And my comment I always make to people is, what are you going to do when 100 million people come? Because if you continue to do what is going on, 100 million people will eventually make their way into the United States of America, be dependent on the state, overwhelm the systems, and the systems will collapse. You have Massachusetts the state of Massachusetts just cut a state program dedicated to funding firefighters for smaller or lower income municipalities in the state to pay for their um, migrant crisis. In New York State, we're look, looking at sanitation and police force cuts. Denver is dealing with similar cuts. Um, Chicago will deal with the same exact thing. They cannot afford this migrant crisis at the level it is. And if Biden wins a second term, it will I wouldn't be shocked if it doubled, um, and it will 100% bankrupt many, many municipalities or, or see vast, vast spending cuts throughout these municipalities. So, as far as it as far as it goes with with Democrats, I mean, you saw Thomas Swazi in the special election in New York Third talk about needing to create, a, you know, some kind of plan that says that they're and militarize the border and protect the border. I think Democrats are, especially in swing areas, are seeing the writing on the wall. There was a bill to make DUIs and Social Security fraud a deportable offense. And every Democrat in the country in a moderate to swing district voted um, in favor of the bill. It was only Democrats in deep, deep blue districts that voted against this. Um, but I think the perception is there and the perception that Democrats are, the, are weak on the border is going to be very hard to shake with or without this single bill. We're talking to Ryan Gerdeski. Uh Ryan, I want to go back to that Siena poll because the other thing that stood out to me was Trump wins, I think it was 47-41, something like that, among male voters. That is it's kind of shocking for, I think, a lot of people. Trump would win New York State if only men were voting. But the gender gap is insane when it comes to women and their rejection of Trump. Um is that the story writ large to you in many ways for 2024? And I understand there's a difference. Buck and I talked about it uh, between married women and single women. It's really single women that are really turning their backs on Trump and the Republican Party in general. But correct me if I'm wrong. I think if only men voted, Trump would win 50 states, basically. And if only women voted, Biden would win 50 states. We're setting up for potentially the biggest gender imbalance maybe that we've ever seen, do you see that ameliorating, changing somewhat, or are we locked and loaded on one of the biggest gender gaps of all time? Well, you know, if, if this is the fact is if only men voted with the last Democrat, we, were, we would have elected in this country was Lyndon Johnson in 1964. That's we an amazing stat. Repeat that again. So the only if only men voted, the last Democrat that would have won was Lyndon Johnson in 1964? Yes. Yes, it's the last time the the Democrats won the mail vote. Um, yeah, it's 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 it is. I mean, it's the Nineteenth Amendment. 
uh, but that is that is ultimately what changed it. And um, yeah, I, that is. I mean, the young female vote, and there's a lot of studies on this. And younger women are more radicalized; they are more democratic than younger men are, and it's it's increasing that uh, that. I mean, between college loss of religion and the lack of prospects for marriage, which are the three things that push women to vote more Republican, all those three things are enabling women to become more radicalized um, in progressive beliefs. And that I don't know how that changes or or when that changes, um, but that is what's happening. And on the flip side, you're seeing younger men um, becoming more Republican and more conservative in their beliefs as well. And there's a huge problem in the sense that younger people, people under the age of 18, don't date that often. They delay adulthood for longer and longer periods of time. They don't drive as, as early as young, they don't work as early as older generations do. Um, there's a book called Generations by Gene Twepy, uh, the author who talks a lot about this. And that's a huge problem going forward. Um, but this, it is the great gender divide. And I don't know how that happens or how it fixes. It's just a matter of do, do married women sit there and, and show up in the polls and do unmarried men show up? Because unmarried women, the Democratic Party has become not only their hobby and their political belief, but also their church in many cases. No, that's so fascinating. And by the way, quickly here, and then Buck wants to dive in, but when you were saying that, does the data reflect that women become more conservative when they get married or men become more liberal? In other words, when we get the marriages here, what does the data show us? Usually it's what, who has the stronger beliefs in the, in the, in the marriage. I mean, if you marry, if you're a moderate voter and you marry a very conservative or liberal person, you will tend to reflect the beliefs. Your moderation will, will, will decrease and you will have the beliefs of whoever you marry. It's a lot like religion. The kids will often follow the religion of the, of the, of the parent who is more religious. Ryan, uh, Gordusky with us and his Substack, which you should check out, is the National Populist Newsletter. Ryan. Thank you. Um, you're you're very straightforward on on your assessment of things. One of the reasons we like having you on. What is Nikki Haley doing? We've got a few days before South Carolina. What is the play here? What is the plan? I mean, look, what does she have to lose by staying? I always say she doesn't have a job to go home to. The kids are grown. The husband's at out in the military. There is nothing. She's always wants to run for president. I mean, so she takes this position where she doesn't drop out until Trump gets the needed delegates, which is basically, I think, what Cruz did last time in 16. Um, and what other people have done in the past, they just waited out. Newt Gingrich didn't win a state for a long time before he dropped out. And, you know, if something happens to Trump, something happens with his health, something happens with, I don't know, whatever, and she's the nominee, what does she have to lose? I mean, so why not pick up a few delegates? She's already made history in this election. She is the first presidential candidate to lose to nobody, and she's also the first woman Republican to ever win a county in a primary. So, I mean, she can hang that, you know, on her, uh, you know, on her crown and just stay there because she's got nothing. There's nothing to do when she goes home. She'll go work for Boeing or something like that, but she's got, she has nothing to lose. It's not like she's going to run for Senate of South Carolina or something that all right ryan if the election we're sitting almost at what is it eight months out if the election were today all right i'm putting you on the spot obama was not the nominee yeah uh michelle but yeah okay uh (laughs) you and you and buck can take your tag team royal rumble uh you know clothesline ryan is a brilliant analyst of politics for those who don't know what would happen in the election today if 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 tomorrow was election day what do you think the results would look like? You know, I saw, I always said that Biden still had the advantage. I think that the DOJ report is really just as damaging as it could possibly be. I've never seen something like that before as far as what, you know, what it says. At the end of the day, listen, the major states that are at play are going to be, it's eight states that decide this entire election, Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio, Nevada, Arizona, Nevada, uh, Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, and maybe New Hampshire if it becomes into play. It's very, very few states. Most of those states are 90 to 95 percent black, white states, with the exception of Florida and Arizona and Nevada, um, and North Carolina and Georgia. I forgot those two. Those states will decide this election. I think that the th- three big questions that, we, that I don't have the answer to right now, does RFK get on the ballot, number one? Because I heard from top Biden officials that that is one of their biggest, biggest concerns is that RFK gets ballot access. Number two, does the black vote decrease? In 2016, the black vote was 13% of the, 12% of the population, a national population, national vote. 
In 2020, it was 13%. It was like 1.3% higher. That was the deciding factor in 2020 was the black vote. And lastly, if Trump is going to lose the college-educated votes, which are the college-educated women vote, do non-college-educated white voters, which are the bedrock of the Republican Party, do they show up in full force? Those are the three things that will decide this election. Um, uh, everything else is really just window dressing as far as just political punditry goes. But I So think you right dodged now, it. Would you say time, Trump is a favorite right now if the election were tomorrow? For the very first time, I really think that Trump is becoming the favorite. So yeah, I do, for the first time. I didn't believe that beforehand, but I do now. I love it. You know Ryan means it because he doesn't want to say it. That's the great thing. <laughs> he doesn't like to get our hopes I up. Like, I hate making predictions, but that is, for the very first time, between the DOJ report and between Biden's just abysmal numbers and Kamala is just, uh, you know, there's just no safe place to rest your eyes for the Biden uh, campaign. They're very confident at the same exact time. I just, I don't see how they're going to sit there and pull this one out unless unless the black vote surges to to record high numbers or non-college-educated white voters sit on their hands. But I don't think either one of them are going to happen. Brian Gerdusky, he's awesome. Buck, what's the substack to be able to follow him? National Populist Newsletter. I am a happy subscriber. I recommend it to you all. Boom. There you go. Thank you, Brian. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Uh, look, basketball season is in full swing. In, what are we, eight days? Nine. I guess we got a leap year this year. Nine days, we're going to be into March. That is officially March Madness. I love, I'm already contemplating, Buck doesn't even know this, because he's never filled out a bracket. I'm already thinking about taking Thursday, Friday off. I'm filling out a bracket this year, buddy. You gotta stop with this crazy talk, cause I'm gonna be making my picks too. We're gonna go mono to mono with the basketball that will be played in March. I think, cause the opening Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament is so much fun. I am already sick to my stomach at the idea that I would be live on the air during the NCAA tournament because the opening Thursday, Friday, I think is the best two days of the year if you're a sports fan. Uh, other people can argue. I know a lot of you like the Masters, and a lot of you are big uh, NFL fans, and college football's opening weekend is tough to beat. But I think the opening Thursday, Friday of the NCAA tournament, about as good as it gets. Would you like to be able to make some picks for that as well as the NBA, uh, the Masters we just had yesterday, NASCAR, which is pretty awesome, uh, the Daytona 500. Did you see that wreck they had? Man, it wiped out so many different uh, cars. It was uh, amazing, even though it was a day late. Prize Picks is the place to go. To be able to put down $10, you can win $1,000. You put down, uh, put in $100, they'll give you $100 back. No questions asked. You double your money, boom, right off the top, up to $100. You focus on the players, how they play in the game. It's a lot like if you play fantasy football, you play fantasy basketball, fantasy baseball. You're trying to predict with your picks how individual players are going to do, what their stats will be, and if they're going to end up doing better or worse, that is more or less than what the number is that is out there. Pick two to six different players. You can watch every night. It is absolutely amazing. Quick withdrawals, great customer service. They will hook you up. All you need to do is download the Prize Picks app. You can use my name, Clay, as the promo code. First deposit match up to 100 bucks. How many people out there can tell you, hey, if you go download this app and put my name in, you get $100. You put in $100, they'll give you $100. You automatically double your money. Go right now, prizepicks. Dot com, or you can download the Prize Picks app. Just use my name, Clay. That's C L A Y. Put in a hundred. Boom, you get back a hundred. Promo code Clay. Prize Picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. The supply chain of smarts, sanity, and truth. Uninterrupted. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. 
The foundation's gold star, fallen first responders, smart home, and homeless veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The foundation's never forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.